Thank you, Jesus. I've encountered a lot of people uh, in my days who uh, have not liked that song. In particular, the one line that says, when heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. And so I've even heard people sing it and change the lyrics. And uh, I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And I, I think the difficulty we have with it is actually more rooted in our misconceptions of God than it is in bad lyrics. I could be honest with you. You know, if you read through the scripture, you know, we're to have a relationship with God whereby we call him Abba, right? Abba is an Aramaic word and literally translated, it means daddy. And I know that many of us, when it comes to our prayer life, rarely probably refer to God as, hey, daddy, I need some help. But the kind of intimacy that the father invites us to is one of family. And a sloppy wet kiss isn't a reference to a romantic style kiss. It's a romantic, to, it's a reference, I should say, to the kind of kiss you get from your grandkids. How many know what I'm talking about? That's a sloppy wet kiss. When my grandkids give me a kiss, COVID is out the window. I'm telling you, it's just like, it's, it's just all there. You know what I'm saying? And uh, especially when the younger they are, the sloppier it is, right? And, and when we meet God, when we come in communion with God, when we connect with him, did you know that a lot of times the kiss that we give God is immature and sloppy and wet, and yet he does not mind. He, he embraces the intimacy that we have, and he adores our childlike affections for him. And so when heaven and earth meet, that's often what it's like. A sloppy, wet kiss. And our heavenly father wraps his arms around us and and, 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 and just like in the, in the Gospels, when Jesus took the little children and he brought them up onto his lap, you know, and, and the Bible says, and he blessed them. I happen to think in my heart that while those kids were sitting on Jesus' lap, they were snuggling in. Some of them were planting big sloppy ones on his cheek, being tickled by his beard. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that a lot of times we, we've cloaked our faith in such religious language that it no longer resembles the intimate relationship the Father's trying to call us to. We're his family. Yes, we're friends. Yes, we're servants. Yes, we're soldiers. Yes, we're all of those things, but we're also invited into his family. He's, he calls us sons and daughters. We call him daddy. It's the relationship we have with him. It's beautiful, it's intimate, it's precious. And we don't ever want to substitute that for something that's religious and cold and distant. We want our relationship with him to be every bit as warm toward him as he is toward us. Someone say amen. That has nothing to do with what I was going to preach on this morning, but I just thought, you, you know, I'd like to... Because Derek's saying the verse not just once, but twice. So I thought, you know, I, I, I'd, uh, I, I'd tackle that sport. <laughs> you know, I'm so grateful for teams that come in and, and, and work and labor and, and uh, practice and, and uh, you know, people that are here working cameras and everything else. And, you know, a couple of our camera people are heading off to university. 
Hannah, Tori. And uh, they're actually going to be living in another city. Mommy, you're letting this happen? I'm telling you, if I was Barry or Mike, I'd lock you up in the bedroom at home and just say you're not going anywhere. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's part of the whole process, isn't it? Of, you know, moving on and advancing and growing, and yet it never changes the dynamic of the family. Our assignments change, but the love never changes. Amen? And so we bless you too. We're so glad you guys have been here. And if you want to come home on the weekends to work camera, we're still here for you. Uh, that opportunity is still there. All right. So uh, we just love you and bless you today. Worship team, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, can we just, first time I think, maybe second time I've seen you up here, Andrew, playing, but first one, first one. Come on, can we just give Andrew a hand, join the team today? And uh, awesome to have him here as well and playing with the team. It's fantastic. And uh, bless you guys. Awesome this morning. First time you guys played together as a team, right? All this element. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Wow. Aren't we blessed? Amen? Amen? Come on. Yeah. Well, today, today I want to talk to you uh, this morning, continue on in the series we're talking about, but uh, I want to talk to you a little further about figuring out who we are. You remember I said there's three questions everybody needs the answer to, right? You know, whose we are, who we are, and to whom we're to walk with or whom we're to do life with. These are the most three fundamental questions that every person, whether they know it or not, is yearning for the answer to. And when we're talking about the question, whose you are, we're talking about your identity. We're talking about the fact that you belong to God and your identity is found in being a son and a daughter of the king. Then when we're answering the question, who you are, we're talking about your purpose. We're talking about how God designed you to be uniquely you. And that because he made you to be uniquely you, you have assignments from him. You have purpose in him that he has called you to fulfill that nobody else is going to be able to fulfill. And if that mission is to lead one person to Christ, that no one else could lead to Christ, that mission's sufficient. Because the Bible says that when even one sinner comes home, the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen? And so no assignment is too small. No assignment's too big. And our giftings, the way we're created, the way God uh, designed us, are there for us to fulfill our purpose. And so who we are is about fulfilling purpose. And then finally, in a few weeks, we'll get to, to whom we've been called or to whom has God asked us to do life with? And all of the questions that surround that and we'll deal with that as well. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time review because if you haven't, if you're just coming into this today's your first morning, then uh, I feel bad for you. Uh, you've been missing out on some good stuff. You need to go back. You can either go to the webpage or you can go to the YouTube channel and uh, you can subscribe there and then you'll get the messages on YouTube. It's just a message. So you can hear the teaching there if you want to get right to that. But if you want to hear all the worship, especially if you want to hear Derek find his inner soul last week when he was singing. You got you to check about uh, 15 minutes into the service and, and uh, listen to our son find his inner soul last week. That was, that was pretty good too as well. Um, one thing I also forgot, uh, Pastor Mark sent me a text that you forgot, the offering. Uh, if you're here in person, uh, you'll notice we don't have the bowls at the front so you don't have to move around, but you can drop it in the little black mailboxes at the back on your way out. The Interact machine and everything there is still there for your help. And uh, so we just appreciate your faithfulness. 
Um, you know, in the, in the midst of COVID, uh, you know, we've had to make some adjustments around here. And obviously, we've had to, um, you know, uh, temporarily lay off some, uh, some administrative staff and some uh, the cleaning staff, obviously, because we're not using the facility much through the week. But listen, I have to tell you, uh, the church has been pretty faithful. We're maybe about uh, somewhere around a 15% below normal. But for when you consider that we haven't had even one normal church service since March 15th, that is a pretty remarkable thing. So give yourselves a hand for your, your faithfulness and your work here today. We're just so appreciative as a pastoral staff of that. And uh, we're so grateful. And for those giving online or those who are watching online, uh, there are just so many different ways that you can support us and help us continue to do these broadcasts uh, as we have been doing it, and we appreciate your support. Now, when it comes to understanding who we are, if you find your identity uh, in, in who you are rather than in whose you are, you can uh, run into a lot of difficulty in life. But that's where most people in society are locating their identity. They're getting their identity from who they are. In other words, they're getting their identity from who God created them to be as uniquely them. And instead of finding their identity as uh, uh, being a son or a daughter of God, the world is forced to look in places, if they don't know the Lord, then they look inside. They look at themselves and they, they try to get their identity from the, you know, their giftings, their talents, their abilities, their accomplishments, the things that they've worked on, uh, whether they're tall or short, whether they're, they're bright or whether they're, they're you know, good looking or whatever. And, uh, and when you find your identity in the things that you do or in the characteristics that make you uniquely you, the problem with that is what happens when those things change? If her identity is found in, in, in being a teacher, for example, what happens if you can no longer teach? What happens if you can no longer fulfill that, that calling? If your identity is found in being an athlete, what happens if something takes place and you, you, know, you have an injury that uh, you no longer can perform at that level anymore and you're no longer able to do it? Then if your identity was found in the fact that you're an athlete, now what do you do? You, have, you don't know who you are anymore. What happens if your identity is found in any of those things, personal qualities, characteristics, uh, you know, uh, intelligence, anything? And if life comes along and those things are altered and you are no longer able to be uh, and operate and functionalize the person that you originally were, then your identity is absolutely devastated. But if your identity is found in the fact that you're a son or a daughter of the king, nothing that happens in this world Nothing in your career, nothing in who you are, nothing in how you look, how you function, how you walk, how you talk can alter the fact that you are a son or a daughter of God. Amen? And when your identity is in the fact that I am loved by God, I'm his son, I'm his daughter, then your identity is intact right through to the end. Never altered because that never changes. Amen? Now, I want to talk a little bit more about who you are, though, this morning. And I have a text that I want to look uh, at this morning. It's found in the book of Philippians, and it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 13. And let me just read this to you this morning. And there's two words in particular that are grouped together that stand out to me in this passage that we're going to look at this morning. But uh, see if you see them in bold and italics as we're reading through here this morning. But it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of uh, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to uh, will and do for his good pleasure. Amen. Father, as we look in your word today, uh, just help us to understand the nature of Christ and his sacrifice as we grapple with who we are today in him. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about your reputation. Reputation. What is a reputation? Reputation is the beliefs or opinions that are generally held about someone or something. In other words, about the opinions that people have about you and about me. Uh, reputation is a widespread belief that someone or something has a particular characteristic. It is reputed to be that way. You are reputed to be this or you are reputed to be that. What is your reputation this morning? What's your reputation? Is it good? Is it a good reputation or is it bad? Is it based on your talents or your abilities? Is your reputation based on your success or your failure? Is your reputation based on your physical attributes? Whether you're in good shape, poor shape, good looking, tall, short, whatever. Is your reputation based on the level of education you have and, and how far you've went in school, post-secondary or otherwise? Is your reputation based on your career, what you're working at? what you're doing, what you're contributing to society? Is it based on your family name, your pedigree? Oh, but I am the Dowling of the Dowlings of Dowling, whatever. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what my family pedigree is, and I've never really looked into it too much, but I have seen our family coat of arms, and it looks pretty cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Dowling coat of arms does look pretty cool. Is it based on who you married? Well, my reputation was redeemed the day I married Sherry, I can tell you that much. So that certainly helped me a lot in my reputation when, when we got married, that's for sure. But you know, a good reputation is difficult to acquire. It really is. Uh, but once you have a good reputation, a good reputation can open doors, uh, it can pave the way for relationships, and even can provide for you financial opportunities that might otherwise be held back from you because you have a good reputation. Now, a bad reputation, that's easily acquired, right? You can acquire a bad reputation through a single, solitary act or mistake. And one act of indiscretion can tarnish your whole life and leave you with a reputation that's extremely difficult to take or to shake. Amen? You heard what I'm saying this morning. Good reputation 
really sometimes hard and difficult to build. But a bad reputation, man, you can do that like that. And here's the thing. Our society places an enormous amount of emphasis on reputation, good and bad. It does. People are judged based on, uh, not on personal knowledge or relational connection, but on reputation. They are. I remember when I was working at a factory uh, that my dad worked at. It used to be called Salonese Fibers uh, near Kingston. I'm not sure if it's still called that today. My dad was a maintenance electrician there, but I was a summer laborer. I was summer workforce. And uh, so I was working there for the summer. And uh, the plant was huge, but there were different divisions within the plant. And uh, the division that I worked within, there were four crews, and it was a you know 12-hour shift and rotating crews. So there were four crews, and each crew had a foreman. So I started working there. And within just a day or two, I heard of what a terrible person our foreman was from the guys that I worked with. They said, oh, he is just such an absolute obnoxious dork. And they'd go on and on and use other words that I can't even repeat. And uh, they, would, they had no good thing to say about the uh, foreman that was operating our shift. And, you know, in a couple weeks, I found myself beginning to think the same things about this foreman. I began to think, oh, such a lazy guy, you know, such a this, such a that. And I started thinking this stuff. And then one day when one of them groups of guys were together at lunch break and they're, they're going on and on about this foreman, I just about jumped in and became part of their uh, amen chorus and agreed with them. And, you know, instantly it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you don't even know this gentleman. It's true, I'd never actually spoken to him. He never actually came and said to me, you know, that I was doing something wrong. He'd never corrected me. He'd never leaned on me in any particular way. But I found myself, you know, judging him by the reputation that the others on the shift had attached to him. And whether he deserved that reputation or not, I have no idea. But this much I know, the reputation that I had of him or that he had in my eyes was not based on my own personal experience or relational connection. It was just based on other people's views of him. And that's what our society is like today. And Facebook and Twitter and all of these things have empowered people to spread reputation, good or bad, like wildfire. And all kinds of people jump in and echo it, and they have no idea at all any kind of personal experience or relationship with the person about whom they're writing. Are you hearing me today? It's one of the worst things about social media is all of the put-down and shaming and all the stuff that goes on on social media, and you don't even know the person. Someone say amen. Is this like a foreign thing to people? You don't know what I'm talking about? No, I think you know what I'm talking about. You see, whether good or bad, a reputation, though, is just that. It's a reputation. It's about what you are reputed to be. It's about what others think you are. Whether a reputation is good or bad, uh, whether people believe you to be a fantastic person or a terrible person, whether people think you're nice or not so nice, at the end of the day, it's just a reputation. What others say about you, it's not necessarily the truth. Everybody say, it's not the truth. Now, 
Character, that's something different altogether. Character is not the same as reputation. Dictionary defines character as the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. The mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Hmm. Distinctive. Strength and originality in a person's nature, a person's good report, someone's good qualities, a testimonial. That's what character is. That's what character is. When you're asked to come in and provide a character witness, it means that you're asked to come in and, and not just say a bunch of flowery things about somebody, but you're somebody who knows them so intimately that you can provide information and insight into that person that no one else can provide. Does everybody understand that? And so character is not about the same as reputation. Character is about who you really are. It's about the qualities that God designed into you and the attributes that make you, you. That is character. So when we're speaking about who you are, we're speaking about all that makes you, you. The attributes that make you the unique person and provides you with the unique opportunities, the unique purpose in God. The Bible says that you are a unique character. You are uniquely and wonderfully made, the Bible says in Psalm 139. Now, Bill Bryson, in a book called uh, A Short History of Nearly Everything, uh, he notes that across the whole of human history, I want you to hear this this morning, every one of you and your forebears on both sides have been Everyone, I should say, of your forebears on both sides has been attractive enough to find a mate. Now listen to this. Healthy enough to reproduce and sufficiently blessed by fate and circumstances to live long enough to do so. Not one of your pertinent ancestors was squashed, devoured, drowned, starved, stranded, untimely wounded, or otherwise deflected from its life's quest of delivering a tiny charge of genetic material to the right partner at the right moment in order to perpetuate the only possible sequence of hereditary combinations that could result eventually, astoundingly, and all too briefly in you. Isn't that hilarious? But it points out to us how amazing it is that you are you. That the combination of life and history and everything that has culminated in the genetic connection that makes you, you is unique. And not just fingerprints are unique to you, but I mean, they, your eye and all the, the little veins and everything in your, is unique to you. Your, your, they can identify you by your dental records, even if the rest of your body was destroyed. There is so much about you that is you and nobody else but you. Even identical twins, God can tell them apart, even if you can't because they are unique from each other. They are different. They are his, made by him, for him, and for his purpose. Someone say amen. Your reputation has nothing to do with who you really are. God made you to be you. Your character, on the other hand, is about exactly who God designed you to be, and, and it's not just about who God designed you to be. Here's a beautiful thing about character. It is also about what you build yourself to be. 
So God provides a tremendous amount of unique elements to comprise you. Everything from a genetic material to emotional disposition and mental acuity. All God uniquely crafted together with you. But here's the incredible thing, that your character gets further development by what you do with it. That you become the unique person that God is going to work with and work through by what you do with what God has given you. Does everybody grasp that this morning? So in short, character then becomes about who you are when nobody else is looking. Because it's about the elements that God crafted and put in you, but it's also about what you've done with a thing that's, that God has given you and how you live, especially when you're not being watched. How you are day to day, day in, day out. Character is about what God sees when he looks at you. And he sees everything that he created, and he also sees what you do with it. He also sees how you have taken hold of it, how you have... Uh, managed it, how you have taken the gift that he's given you and stewarded that gift. Someone say amen here this morning. So when we speak of who you are, we're speaking about the true nature of you. We're talking about who God made you to be and who you have become, who you've become. Now, when we compare character versus reputation and we ask ourselves, you know, what do they look like and how are they different? You know, we realize, as I've said already, a reputation can be, you know, gained overnight, you know, a bad one, but a good reputation can take a lifetime to build. And character is about who you are, who you really are. But when we talk about reputation and we talk about using that word, who's the one person in the Bible that, you know, we often think about who had uh, a bad reputation? Uh, you know, who, whose story? Uh, who was who the guy? It's, it's usually Samson. Samson's the guy who, you, when you talk about somebody with a, a bad reputation, you think of him. And uh, for me, anyway, that's the first thing that comes to mind. This is a guy who, you know, uh, he's a colorful figure for sure. He was uh, outspoken. He was a guy who was willing to step into battle and do all of these things. But he also had a real weakness for the ladies, right? And the reputation of his weakness with the ladies is, uh, you know, very plainly laid out in Scripture. And it ended up being the thing that was led to his demise uh, because he fell hard for Delilah and he ended up telling her the secret of his strength. And of course, the Philistines came in, shaved his hair off and then turned him into a prisoner and uh, gouged out his eyes and left him attached to a grindstone. And, you know, he was, uh, he was uh, humiliated and his reputation led to his demise. But, you know, if you, like Samson, have a reputation, and it's not a particularly good one, I have good news for you today. I have good news for you today. Jesus is all about redeeming lives. Jesus is all about taking a bad reputation and a life that has maybe been marred by mistakes and rebuilding that life and giving that life a new identity built on who he made them to be and the character that we work with and develop in him. Amen? And that's exactly what happened to Samson. You see, Samson, in that cold, dark prison, he entered into God's school of character. And there Samson, over the months and 
and, and, and years that he was imprisoned, uh, discovered uh, who he was and he discovered why God made him and what made him unique. And he discovered that his identity was not found in the things that he thought it was to be found in, but his identity was in God. And so therefore, who he was could now also be a testament to his God. And as they, the final day of his life, they brought him out to taunt him and to tease him, not aware that it had been a long time since the boy had had a haircut. And it was, it was a demonstration of his strength, and God breathed that strength back into him. And the Bible says as they put his hands up against the pillars, he pushed that down, and in his death, he destroyed the enemies of God. And you know, here's the beautiful thing about Samson. Did you know that after the book of Samson, he's only ever mentioned one more time in the Bible? Samson's only ever mentioned once more in the Bible after his story in the Scripture. And that place where Samson is mentioned in the Bible is found in the book of Hebrews, where in chapter 11, Samson is named as one of the heroes of the faith. He is named as one of the heroes of the faith. Samson experienced a character shift by God. And the reputation that he had acquired in his lifetime in the Old Testament was no longer part of the equation with God. Instead, God remembers him as a hero of the faith. Do you hear me this morning? As a man of character. As a man who in his life was a man of faith. You know, if we'll enter into God's school with Samson, if we'll enter into his school of character development, and we will, we will take the reputation that we have, whether good or bad, if you're relying on your reputation or if you're identifying by your reputation, good or bad, it's still an albatross around your neck. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's still a weight that keeps you from being the purposeful individual Christ created you to be. So you take that reputation and you lay it at the feet of Jesus and you go into his school of character development and you allow Christ to develop you. Hopefully you don't have to have your eyes gouged out and be attached to a gristmill in order for that to happen. But you will willingly and, and, and willfully enter into his school of character and become a student of his word, become a person who, who says, I want to be who Christ called me and made me to be. And you enter into that school and God shapes us into that vessel of purpose that he has called us to be. And then reputation no longer matters. And that brings me to our conclusion this morning. I find it very interesting that in Philippians chapter 2, we're told to have the same mind as Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, even though he was God, the Bible says, he didn't consider it robbery or he didn't consider it wrong to be equal with God because he was equal with God. But instead, even though he was equal with God, the Bible says he made himself of what? No reputation. He took who he was reputed to be and he gave that up so that he could become the willing sacrifice for you and for me. Would it surprise you that Jesus had a reputation? He did. 
You know, if you read through the scripture, these are some of the things that were said about Jesus, his reputation, both good and bad. Listen to this. He was called Rabboni, Rabbi. He had the reputation of being a great teacher. Uh, some people said it's by the prince of demons that he has the power to cast out demons. Someone else said he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was spoken of your Savior, Jesus. Others said he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the King of the Jews. There were many things said about Jesus. We could go on and on and on of the things that were said about them, but those were all reputation. And Jesus took good, bad, he laid it all down, and the Bible says, and he became of no reputation so that he could become a sacrificial lamb. He would not allow his reputation, good or bad, to stand in the way of his pathway to the cross so that he could give his life for you and for me. And I find it interesting that down and tucked at the end of that passage in Philippians, as we concluded it this morning, down in verse 13, he said, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You see, when we, like Christ, have the same mind as Christ and are willing to be people of no reputation, having no, not, not hanging on to a past that people have believed about us, not being uh, identified by failures in the past, nor uh, holding on to our successes and how good we were in yesteryear. When we take our reputation and we lay it down like Jesus did, and we take up our cross and we willingly follow him, then the Bible says that he is able to will and to do his good pleasure in through us. In other words, he's able to fulfill his purpose in the person who knows who they are. Who am I? I'm somebody of no reputation. I have no aspiration to be famous. I have no aspiration to be famous just to be faithful. I want to be a person of no reputation who is laid it at the feet of Jesus and said, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. You know, when we moved to Belleville, I'll be honest, I was a little concerned about moving to Belleville because not far from Napanee, where I grew up, and I didn't have a good reputation before I met Jesus. And I had fears that my reputation would follow me. And I was very nervous about that. And God had to speak to me and shift my identity so it was not in my reputation, but it was in him. And then he had to say, I have purpose for you. And if I could use the apostle Paul who stood over Stephen at his stoning, and I can use you, I can use you. Don't allow what others perceive of you to be the thing that dictates who you are. You are who create, God created you to be. Amen? I want you to stand with me this morning. You know, if you're trusting in your reputation this morning, you're trusting in a good reputation this morning, I encourage you to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Lay that reputation at the feet of Jesus. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Become a person of no reputation. If you're living your life and you're living under the shadow of a bad reputation and you've experienced a lifetime of, of, of having to dodge the things that you did in the past and the mistakes of your past, this morning become somebody of no reputation. Cast that upon the feet of Jesus. Let him liberate you and set you free this morning. Let him develop in you the person of character that he
designed you to be so that you can be used by him. Amen? Just join him in becoming another person who's like-minded with Christ of no reputation and serve him with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then stand back and be amazed what God can do. Amen? Father, we just thank you today that, Lord, you didn't tell us we have to create a good reputation. He told, you told us to be of no reputation. That, Father, you told us to be only concerned with about what you want to do in our life, about our relationship with you, and to allow you to work in and through us. And that, Father, reputation, whether good or bad, we cast it upon your feet today and we say, Father, help me to be like-minded with Jesus and to be of no reputation and to take up my own cross and carry it for the kingdom of God so that, Lord, you can work through me. Today, Father, will I commit myself to being the person you called me to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Bring somebody with you next week. Can you do that? Sign them up. We can have up to 115 people in here right now. So let's get 115 next week. Let's enjoy the presence of the Lord together and worship him together. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week in him. And thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for joining in online. And we trust you have an amazing week in him. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you. We bless you.